During the process of making this podcast, we noticed a need for more open dialogue across the fashion supply chain. We want to do our part to try and facilitate more of it. So we came up with Loose Threads, new mini episodes of anonymous Q&A tying candid questions to honest answers. In addition to the normal podcast episodes we released every Tuesday, you can now tune in every other Wednesday for new editions of Loose Threads. And don't forget to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a question you'd like to anonymously ask someone further down the supply chain? Submit it on our website, www.manufacturedpodcast.com slash loose threads. If you're a supplier interested in anonymously answering questions and anonymously connecting with other suppliers working on sustainability issues, we'd love to hear from you and please get in touch via our website. This week's main podcast episode is based on an interview with Mr. Lin, a Chinese subcontractor based in Phnom Penh. In the episode, we question conventional wisdom that better oversight is what leads to better human rights outcomes for people working in subcontracted factories. Kim has also penned an article to go along with it that you can find a link to in the show notes for this week's main episode. So we thought it would be appropriate to address a question about subcontracting in this week's edition of Lose Threads 2. It's a pretty simple question, but actually has a pretty complicated answer. So without further delay, here is the question. Why do suppliers subcontract? The first answer we want to share goes like this. Classic question. What happens is, normally, none of the brands occupies an entire production facility. We have seen, quote-unquote, compliant factories with cap capacity of 100,000 pieces of basic denim pants, producing for as many as 11 different brands. Unless a factory combines orders from different brands, it's nearly impossible to maintain a smooth balance in production. Timing is also a challenge. When factory A is in a rush, the majority of the market will also be in a rush. Moreover, when I'm working for a brand as a factory manager, I can't simply say no to an additional 3,000 pieces because my capacity is lacking. Even just 3% over my capacity seems doable, right? But multiply it by the number of all the brands and you're left with a huge chunk with almost an identical delivery date. Despite knowing the rush seasons, factories can never and that's in all caps for emphasis, plan ahead because the materials and accessories take time to finalize and we're waiting for approval from brands. It's normal to get the buttons for April's jeans approved in March, thanks to the vicious trend of fast fashion. Therefore, to meet the delivery date, the only way is to subcontract. Only non-compliant, and that's in quotes, factories would ha have available capacity. The only job usually given to the subcon is sewing, finishing, packing, so not cutting. That means the subcon is not involved at all in the ordering and sourcing of the raw materials and is only given a small time to sew and finish 3,000 pieces of goods. By small time, I mean 7 to 10 days, out of the whole order lead time of 30 to 40 days except shipping. How is it feasible to ensure rights of people when the window is this little? Probably factories would like to avoid subcontracting. Subcontracting adds significant expenses, often more than the original prices. Then there are issues of quality, rejection, and short shipment. Then there are other hurdles to complicate it even more. 
When a factory is having capacity issues, brands don't support them to do the production elsewhere simply because it adds to the brand's cost of following up on one more factory on top of existing factories. In terms of relationships, when a factory subcontracts an order, the brand also feels it is being given less of a priority. And that's the end of that answer. In the main podcast episode this week on subcontracting with Mr. Lin, I shared some of my own experiences with subcontracting. And in that episode, I make the case that at the prices and lead times the industry expects, many suppliers depend on subcontracting to stay in business. My point of view is that fundamentally, the fashion industry as it exists today needs a workforce capable of cheaply expanding and contracting to cope with variable demand and the low prices the industry has come to expect. To put it differently, the livelihoods of workers in better regulated facilities depend on the existence and persistence of more precarious livelihoods elsewhere in the supply chain. This doesn't mean that human rights abuses are justified. It means we need to address the way the fashion industry relies on cheaply flexible labor to cope with variable demand. In response to this point of view, one supplier shared, I listened yesterday to the podcast of Mr. Lin's story, and I do want to share one other recent experience we have had as a supplier. As we moved into the production of face masks, and this respondent puts in parentheses fabric, we were confronted with a sudden and significant demand. We designed, tested, and made the mask completely in-house, so it was our product. That changed the whole game. We immediately had big orders from a couple of brands. We insisted on 50% prepayment, and that was no problem. At a certain moment, we needed to outsource due to different circumstances, and we communicated this with the brands, and they agreed. So all in full transparency. So depending on the demand and the power you have as a supplier in certain circumstances with your product, the rules of the game can change easily and without a problem. Showing that this is a clear demand-driven behavior, we might have to come to the conclusion that in general there is an oversupply of suppliers, thus creating the stage for brands to negotiate tough deals. Price and lead time are critical in this subcontracting, but does the fact that it's a buyer's market overall allow brands to force these conditions? As always, we want to close this mini-episode by reiterating that there is always more than one way to answer a question, and truth is never singular. But our task as people who want to change this industry is to try and piece them all together into a bigger picture. We chose to share these answers today because they represent a point of view often missing from this picture. We hope this anonymous Q&A give you some food for thought. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And once again, if you have a question you would like to have answered, ask it anonymously on www.manufacturedpodcast.com slash loose threads. If you are a supplier interested anonymously answering questions and anonymously connecting with other suppliers working on sustainability issues, you can also get in touch with us via our website.